said we've been talking about faith builders. Are you? All right. We've been talking about faith builders. Hebrews chapter number 6, or chapter number 11, I'm sorry, verse number 6. And the Bible says, without faith it's impossible to please him. Without faith it's impossible to please him. He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now I want you to notice we, uh, we've talked about faith, and we're going to talk about faith again, but uh, um, uh, we are seeing all of the time answers to prayers. We see answers to faith. We, we, uh, and uh, Some of the reasons we can have faith is a growing faith in the Lord and seeing what God's doing. Um, you know, if I didn't ever see God do anything in my life, I'd have trouble with my faith growing. Uh, very simply put, if I if I don't see God at work, I might have trouble with with where things are are at. And uh, so tonight, I want us to also look in Acts chapter number one, Acts chapter number one, and we're going to take a little bit tonight and and uh, about the resources that we have for faith, resources for faith. See, uh, I don't know about you, but I learned that uh, uh, resources help me greatly. If, uh, if I have the right resources, uh, let me give a, a, a simple example. Um, if I want to go out to eat, if I want to go out to eat, and I know that dinner is going to cost me when I go out to eat $10. That's a pretty cheap dinner. Miss Heather says that's not the restaurant she wants to go to today. So uh, $10, and uh, I, uh, how much resources do I need to be able to go to dinner if I'm going to eat a $10 dinner? I probably ought to have $10, right? If I don't have $10, I can't eat. I can't go out to eat that $10 meal. What if I want a $20 meal? I better bring $20. Exactly. I got to have the resources necessary to do what I want to do. Well, you know what? It's amazing is, is you and I, we have the resources that we need. We've already been given for our faith. The resources that we've we've been given, and and so we're going to talk about those resources and some of the reasons that we can have faith and we can have a growing faith in the Lord. So, when Jesus left this earth and went back to heaven, He didn't leave us without resources that that we need to live the life of faith or to walk by faith and to get our prayers answered. So I want to begin in verse number one in Acts, uh, just to uh, set the stage. Jesus has gathered his disciples. They're on the Mount of Olives. He uh, has risen from the dead. He's been with them for 40 days. He's been doing three things in those 40 days after his resurrection. First, he's been comforting his disciples. Second, he's been convincing his disciples. And third, now he's commissioning them. He's getting ready. So he's been comforting. He's been encouraging. He's been convincing. Some of them, like Thomas, needed to be convinced, right? But then he's also commissioning. He's sending them out. So the last words of any person are important. But how we even more important are the last words of Jesus. Just as it, uh, it, it's as though he was saying, don't forget this. Don't forget this. Remember this. If you forget everything else before I leave, you don't forget what I'm about to tell you. So let's look in verse number 1 of Acts chapter 1. The Bible says there, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Verse 2, Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the 
Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? There's a lot of people asking that question today. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Verse 9, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud, received him out of their sight, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? As you walk through, you begin to look, and you can say, looking there at the Mount of Olivet, or the Mount of Olives, you uh, a very beautiful place, and you actually look over the city of Jerusalem. You can look down upon the city, and the place is very important in the life of Jesus, because to the Mount of Olives, he retreated to pray. It was a place that Jesus appreciated. He went there to pray. It, uh, it was uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember that? The Mount of Olives. You say, there's, there's that place. He retreated to play, pray. The Garden of Gethsemane. And many times on the Mount of Olives, Jesus uttered his most important words about prophecy in Mark, Matthew 24. He talked about the sign of his coming, the end of the age, and the signs uh, of the end that we ought to look for. So those things that we ought to be looking for, those things that are coming. On the Mount of Olives is a place where Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. It was in that place. It was a special place to Jesus and where he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are, are, are gathered her chickens under her wings, and you would not. And he said, Now you have missed the day of your visitation. So the Mount of Olives was a place of incredible importance to Jesus. I know that many of us have a place in, in our life that we can think back and you can say, I, I know of a place. There's a place that I really, it's very special to me. And uh, the Mount of Olives would be one of those places in the life of Jesus. He comes to the latter part in the very last words of his earthly ministry. And it's here from the Mount of Olives that Jesus ascends. And as we just read, the disciples look on. But before he ascended that day, he gave four things. I believe they're important for growing our faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to remain tiny all my life. I want to grow up. 
I want to grow up. I don't want to be. I don't want to be immature all my life. Miss Heather's going. It's taking a long time. I've seen him get just a little bit, just a little bit in time. But I don't want. I, you know what? I want to grow up in my faith. I don't, I don't want to be just you know a little kid all my life. As a matter of fact, you know what? I I you know this is one of those Pastor Pat things. But I, you know what? I I don't want folks to be. I, I have this thing about drama that I can't stand. Oh, I can't stand it. And it's so much fun to watch people grow out of that phase. To grow out of that phase of being drama mamas. Yeah. Because you know what? There are too many times that folks get there and they never get out of it. They never grow up. And Jesus has given us four things in this portion of scripture that will help us grow up in our faith. And so I really, as I look at these four things, I go, man, I need to get a hold of it. We need to get a hold of it because we need to grow up. I don't want to be the same. I, I can promise you, if the Lord tarries his coming until I'm 70 years old, if I got another 20 years to live, hallelujah, I got another 20 years to live, right? Woo, hallelujah, I made it in our 20 years. If the Lord tarries his coming, I'm hoping that when I'm 70, that Janaea's not looking at me going, that's my same pastor and he acts just like he did when he was 50 years old. I can see Janae going, that's my pastor, and he's still crazy, and that's okay. Crazy's okay, but I want to grow up in my faith. I want her to say, I've seen him grow because he's so much more in his faith than what he was when I was a kid. I, I want her to be able to say that. I hope that that's the desire of your heart, that you would grow, that you would grow. So here we go. So I want you to see from this verse, verse number 8, that Jesus left us unlimited power. He left us some unlimited power. He said, you should receive power that the Holy Ghost should come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Prior to that, we read that Jesus instructed his disciples that after he went back to the Father, they were to tarry in Jerusalem. Although they had been given a commission to take the gospel into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth, he said the timing was important. He said, don't begin until you've received the promise of the Father. And it relates to the gift of the Holy Spirit. And there's a difference from the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God himself who comes to indwell in your heart. And when we receive Jesus, he takes up residence in our life. The Holy Spirit of God moves in. Now, that's pretty cool. You mean to tell me that's why I can say wherever I go, Jesus is with me. Because the Holy Spirit of God moved in, took up residence, and he's there with me. You ask Jesus into your heart, and you say, Lord, come into my heart. Jesus, come into my heart. The Holy Spirit moves in at that time, and when he moves in, you have Jesus in your heart. You've received as much of the Holy Spirit as you will ever receive right then and there. That's pretty cool. But you know what's even better, though, is, is you begin to look and you go, wait a second here. I get all of that power. You bet. It's called, you know where we get our word dynamite from? Right there. You shall receive power. The Greek word there is that dynamo. And uh, so you look and you go, there's that, that power that's there. Timing was important. He said, don't do it. Don't, you, don't do so until you receive the, 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 uh, the, uh, the instruction from the Father. So here we go. The Christian life is not dependent on you and I 
being able to live up to the demands of God, but it's dependent upon our being willing to yield ourselves to the Spirit of God. What now, Pastor? What are you talking about? All of us have received that wonderful gift. Remember, at, at the time when we asked Jesus to come in? But are you willing to listen to the Spirit of God speak to you? That's the question that comes back to us. Are we willing to listen to the Spirit of God speak to us and change our direction? To Abraham, he said, Abraham, go to the land that I will show thee of. Abraham had his family all together, and what did they have to do? They had to pack their bags. You remember that? They packed their bags. They got everything situated. They started moving to the land that he would show them of. They didn't know where they were going, but they were moving. They were moving. Hey, nobody knew how to build an ark. Nobody knew how to build an ark. But God told Noah to build him an arky arky, didn't he? God told him to build an ark. Nobody would seen it rain. How's it going to flood? Yeah, right. But by faith, Noah had to build an ark. Noah built something nobody had ever seen before. They had to put all those animals in there. Woo! After a few days, I'm sure it was stinking. I'm sure it was stinking after just a couple days. You could shovel that stuff off the floor, but you know what? A wood floor is going to take some of that smell. How many of them? I mean, you get close to the animals at the zoo and, woo, they got to reek about them, don't they? Oh, yeah. You know what? Sometimes we've got to do what God says even when it stinks. Even when it stinks, we still have the job to do what God tells us to do. I don't like doing it when it stinks. Well, no, nobody likes to do that when it stinks. But when am I going to be obedient enough to say, yes, God, I'll do what, it, what stinks in order to watch God bless. See, obedience is better than sacrifice, the scripture would tell us. And so as we're going through, we can look and we can refer to baptism. And he speaks of, of that as the existence of, uh, or the experience of the Spirit of God coming to, to take up residence. Well, we're immersed by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. That's the spiritual baptism. What we know is, is water baptism. Water baptism is an outward symbol of something that's happened on the inside. See, our water baptism, when we baptize back here in the tank, it's really kind of neat because you, you get baptized. I'm baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. And that's great. And it's an outward picture of what's happening on the inside. On the inside. What's already taking place on the inside? It's an, a step of obedience. See, water baptism, that outward symbol of spiritual baptism, See, spirit baptism is that process by which the Holy Spirit of God honors our faith. Our faith begins when we trust Jesus as our Savior. As our Savior. So the Holy Spirit puts his nature in us. We're immersed by the Spirit in the body of Christ. We're given a divine nature, and that is the, the difference between the saved and the lost. You've been given a new nature. See, a, a saved person... It's going where? I'm going to heaven. Can't wait. Going to see Jesus. Can't wait. Wonderful, bright, fair. Because I'm going to heaven and I see Jesus. See, what's the difference? 
Well, you are. Yes, you are. I don't think you want to go to heaven. Well, maybe you do. Maybe you want to go to heaven, but you don't have the one-way ticket. See, when a person's lost, they don't have that assurance that says, I'm going to heaven, and my heaven is secure. See, death, death is not a pretty thing if you're not a believer. Death is not a pretty thing for somebody who knows not Jesus. Jesus said he's the way, the life, he's the truth, the way, the way, the, the, way, the truth, and the life. There you go, I'll get the verse. That's what he said. No other way. No other way. See, we can read in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul made it very clear. He said, you were once dead in trespasses and sins. I was once dead in trespasses and sins. But he quickened or he made me alive in the spirit. It's kind of like in the book of Ezekiel, one of my favorite parts of scripture. When Ezekiel's looking over this valley and it's all dried up bones. Can you imagine all the dried up human bones laying out there in the field? Some of you go, ew. But God spoke to, to him. And God says, I want you to prophesy over those bones. And what did he have to do? He began to preach. He began to preach over those bones and those bones because God told him to preach over them. And he told him that he would do so. And those bones started coming together. I can just imagine that the foot bone was over here and the ankle bone was over there and, and the kneecaps over there. And he began preaching. And you start seeing them things moving together. You start watching those bones coming together and woo, here it goes. I'd get a little distracted. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Can you imagine the leg bone? It's limping all the way across. Bong, 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 bong. Oh, why? Because it needed the hip bone in order to walk a little better. I can just imagine how crazy it was as he's preaching over the valley of dry bones and those bones start coming together. Them bones, them bones, them bones. And they started coming together. Boom. And all of a sudden, boom. There stands a skeleton in front of him. Now, I can tell you as a preacher, I've been to a lot, of, a lot of cemeteries, I've been to a lot of funerals, and I have never seen anybody get up out of that grave. What kind of day that would be when you see the skeletons come together. Look like an erector set, all those people. Oh, my lands. And yet the Bible tells us that we, when, when, when he preached... God breathed life. You know, when you and I come to know Jesus as Savior, we're like those dead bones. Dead in our trespasses and sin. We're empty. We are so empty. And God says, says here, let me breathe life into you by the Holy Spirit of God and make you whole. To make us whole. Now that's pretty cool because to make us whole means that something was missing. That means there was something that just wasn't there. And God says, here. <laughs> Let's go. You were once dead in trespasses and sins. Yeah, you were once dead. But now, oh, wait a minute. Has he quickened you or he's made alive in the spirit? So when he was about to, uh, about being made alive in the spirit, he's talking about the spirit of God 
taking up residence in your life. Isn't that funny? How many of you want to go home tonight and realize there's somebody extra living in your house? You come around and you look at it and you go, hey, let's go home tonight. We're going to take up. There might be somebody different living in your house tonight. You know what? When Jesus, when you invite Jesus to come into your heart, you just invited Jesus to take up residence in your home. That's pretty cool. See, I've been married to Miss Heather for a long time. Long time. And you know what I have figured out? I have figured out, and some of you have managed to take up residence in my house a time or two. Oh, Lord. So-and-so, they're having a burden. They're having trouble. I come walking in the door, and there they are. Whew. Oh, by the way, somebody's going to be spending the night. The day I walked in the house, I had no earthly idea. No earthly idea. I come walking in the door, and here's Nan. Hey, Pastor! Hey, Pastor! I said, Miss Heather's spending the night. She wasn't. The difference between Danae and Jesus is when Jesus takes up residence, he stays. And he doesn't ever leave. He's a God who stays. He doesn't leave. He doesn't forsake us. He's going to be with us through it all, no matter what. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I can look and say, you know what? We have. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says that you were baptized by one spirit uh, into one body. The gifts of the, of the Spirit are plural. They reference a lot of gifts, such as teaching and prophecy and service and ministering. And We all have different gifts. You have different, different gifts than, than what I have. A word of knowledge, he mentions the word of wisdom. He, he speaks of the spiritual gifts and God, that God gives us uh, to us, and he chooses as, as he will. And those are the gifts of the Spirit. So all of us don't have the same gifts, but all of us do have we don't. Not everybody has the gift of, of teaching. We don't all have the gift of preaching. We'd be in trouble if we all stood up here to preach at the same time, wouldn't we? That'd be kind of trouble. But not everybody has the gift of mercy. Not everybody has the gift of exhortation and encouragement. We have our gifts, and we need to respect and appreciate those gifts. But all of us don't have the same gift while we're there and the gift that we have is singular it's the gift of the Holy Spirit that gift we do have we all share all in common Jesus said don't start don't begin to take the tasks that I've given to you until the Spirit of God comes upon you comes upon to, to you receive the promise of my Father so now God had God who enabled David and Samson and, and uh, God had uh, chosen leaders to lead and to do God's will in the Old Testament that same Holy Spirit went into well every believer in the New Testament every person who believed upon Jesus and so when the Spirit of God came in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1 on the day of Pentecost they were doing exactly what Jesus had told them to do they, they were, were following the, the instructions that Jesus had given them to do 
I think that's kind of neat because you know what? They were obeying Jesus then, weren't they? They're doing exactly what he said. They were up in the upper room and here they are praying together. Here they are praying together, doing exactly what Jesus commanded them to do. What he commissioned them to do. They didn't leave Jerusalem. They're waiting on the promise of the Father that Jesus had spoken of. And for the first time, the Spirit of God baptized believers into the body of Christ. There, You look and you go, wait a minute. The Bible says they were not only baptized with the Spirit, but they were all filled with the Spirit that night. Oh, ain't that exciting? They were filled. So as we face the world today, sometimes we feel alone. Sometimes we feel maybe insignificant. We don't feel like anybody cares or look at the entertainment world and we look at the world of athletics we look at the all the 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 power and the money on and in different settings and all these things that are glorified by men and it's easy to feel that our life doesn't matter it's easy for us to look and say well that, that doesn't my life doesn't really count listen don't ever forget that the same power that raised jesus up from the dead lives in us when we ask Jesus to come into our heart. That's the power that's going to cause us to live with Jesus forever. So even when the physical body dies, the power is in you in the person of the Holy Spirit of God. And so we have unlimited power. Unlimited power. And I don't see that we need much more than that, right? Okay, now i got to wake everybody up in here. Here we go. I want you to do this for me. <clears throat> get your arms ready. <clears throat> you got to get your arms ready. And then I need you to say this phrase with me. I've got the power! There we go. Thank you, Jocelyn. All right. I, I got to get your muscles ready. You gotta get, come on now. And you go, I got the power! <laughs> See, isn't that, doesn't that feel good sometimes, once in a while? See, Hannah's embarrassed. She doesn't want to do that. Uh, no way am I going to go, I got the power! You look at me and you go, wait a second, you all are laughing at me and you're giggling about it. But you know what? When you know that you've got the power of God living inside of us, I can honestly say, I've got the power. I might be doing it in jesting and fun by getting my arms involved and saying it a funny way, but I have the power of God living inside me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. That ought to be something to get excited about right there. Woo! Well, you ready? Miss Heather has the power. You ready? Miss Heather has the power! Because the world might have financial power. They might have economic power. They might have education power. It might be that they have entertainment power. But you ready? I've got a power that outshines all of them because we've got a God power. Amen. Preacher, there you go. I'll give that for you. And uh, we'll wake you up. We have the greatest power known to man. And when the early church went out after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible teaches us that 
they had something fire couldn't even couldn't burn. You say water couldn't couldn't drown, the sword couldn't kill, the devil couldn't intimidate, and the jail couldn't imprison. You say that's where they had. They had something that opened prison doors, stopped the mouths of lions. They had the same uh, something that gave them the boldness and the courage that in the name of Jesus Christ, and that same unlimited power is ours for daily living, for the problems and the trials that you and I face, the difficulties that we have. We may not be in a literal prison sometimes, but we are incarcerated by the prisons that we allow the devil to put on us or the prisons that we allow other people to put upon us, the bond, the shackles, the chains that rob us of the joy that we have that we can live and would rob us of the victory that God wants us to have. See, we're to break those shackles in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're to realize that we're not to walk by sight, but by faith. We're to walk by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a resource we have for growing faith. That is unlimited power of God. So just as Ezekiel had the power of God standing there overlooking the valley of dry bones and the ankle bone and it came together with the foot bone and the foot bone with the leg bone and the leg bone with the hip bone, you want me to keep going? We'll keep building that person. We'll put the backbones in there, all of those vertebrae bones. And then we'll start throwing some ribs in there. Can you imagine watching the ribs coming from one side to the other as they kept coming? About 14 ribs. Woo, woo, woo. Some more vertebrae up the back of their neck. And then watch that skull go finding its body. Woo. That might be a little creepy. Might be a little creepy, but you know what? We're breaking shackles in the power of the Holy Spirit and realize that we're not to walk by sight, we're not, but by faith. We're to walk by faith in the power of the Spirit, and it's not a resource. That, or I should say, that's a resource that we have for growing faith. That's the unlimited power of God. Verse number 8 in chapter number 1 of the book of Acts says, You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses of me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. You know the word we get for power is the Greek word dunamis. And dunamis is the word from which we get our English word dynamite. And it means an explosive power. It means a power that's able to change things, change surroundings. A power that's able to explode our lives, to blast out the the lethargy, in other words, the humdrum. I came to give you life and to give it more abundantly. How are you today? Great. Jesus can blow that up. How are you today? There are sometimes I wish Jesus would just come along and go, BAM! Now, that's my kind of day right there. Bam! And all of a sudden, here you go. Woo, there he goes. I can see Amanda going, how are you today, Amanda? Great. Bam! Great! Let me tell you how it works. It works kind of like this. I had the privilege of riding in the car today, and, and we went uh, a long ways. We had to go all the way up to sea and pick up 
Amanda. But I got to ride with Janae. Janae sat in the back seat and she talked a little bit until Sammy and them got out of the car. And then you know what? She didn't say a word. She didn't say a word. She didn't say a word. All the way from your house to where Amanda was at, at her mom's house, she didn't say much of nothing. I mean, there weren't but maybe ten words come out of her mouth in all of that time. But you want to know what happens when you interject power into somebody? Here's what happens when Amanda got in the car and Janae was in there. I mean, the engine started. The engine started and Janae didn't stop talking until we were an hour away from Amanda's mom's house. And then she goes, I mean, it was like all of a sudden I thought she ran out of gas. Miss Heather goes, awful quiet back there. Because it was the first time in an hour. Janae, I chuckle about that because I, I think it's funny. Somebody says, oh, no, I don't influence other people. Yeah, you do. Because I know. I heard Hannah's thing in the car today. I heard Kayla's thing in the car today. I heard Sammy's thing in the car today. And you know what? I know that all of you, all three of you, I heard Miss Heather's thing in the car today. I know that all four of you incite some kind of emotion and the young ladies that were in the back of that vehicle today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not telling you what emotion. I'm just going to keep that to myself. You'll have to ask them. But they did. They shared. All of them. Sure did. Sure did. The power of the Holy Spirit is ours tonight. It's already been made available. Already been available. I want, I want you to to know and encourage in the fact that the devil doesn't want you to know about that power. Because he knows that that power and what that power can do in your life. When the Holy Spirit of God begins to work in your life, he knows what you can do when you've tapped into the power of God. When you've plugged into that mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. Can you imagine? Let me ask you, what can you do with a little bit of electric power? What can you do with a little bit of electric power? Well, let me think about it. Let me think about it for a minute. I can plug in and I can get lights on the front of my house, right? Lights on the front of my house, they'll glow nice and pretty. That's that's not a lot of power, though, is it? Uh, lick my fingers and grab that. It might not hurt, right? Not, not too bad. Not too bad. But let's go inside and let's go to, let's walk around our house and begin to look at things. And let me ask you, does the, the stove take a little bit of power? Yeah, if you got an electric stove, it takes quite a bit of power, doesn't it? You bet, turn that oven on. Hey, who wants to lick their fingers and stick them in that light socket, in that, in that stove socket? No, why? Because there's a lot of power, huh? A lot of power, it'll do a lot of damage. It'll hurt really bad. We had a gentleman in our church several years ago that he was working on his dryer and he grabbed both sides of the uh, of the uh, socket on a dryer and it tossed him across the room. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Tossed him across the room. You realize that when you tap into the power that God has 
it's greater than enough power to talk you across the room. But when you plugged into the mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead, how much power does it take to raise Jesus from the dead? More than my stove's power. A whole lot more than that. And when we have that power available to us, Satan cannot defeat a spirit-filled Christian. And that power is ours. In fact, Ephesians 5 tells us that we are to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Continuously filled, moment by moment, with the person and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You see, many times you and I have an attitude. Well, if God would just keep his promise, if God would just do his part, if God would just act as he did in old times, if God would just move in a miraculous way, you and I seem to have the attitude, and sometimes the problem that, that there is not more power in my life, the problem is, is that there's not more victory in my life, the problem that there's not more joy in my life, is that God's not doing what God could do. But you know, that's not what the Bible says, nor is that what the Bible teaches. Well, the problem is God's not doing. No, that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that since Pentecost has taken place, that it is not a matter of our waiting on God to do something, but that God is waiting on us. God's waiting in, in, on you and I to be obedient, to do what he tells us to do. God's waiting on us to take advantage of the resource that he's given. See, if I were to tell you, hey, your car, Hannah, there's a gas station, and it is just outside of Ostrander, and they have free gas. <coughs> Let me ask you, do you think Hannah's going to drive over there and get free gas? I heard some of you go, oh, you know what? I'm hearing some adults going, tell me where that is, please. Because they're going to make that resource available to them today. Miss Heather would figure out how to take cans over there to help fill out for other days to make available the resource, right? we got to make available the resource. Well, isn't that interesting that we've got to make available the resource that's already ours? Lord, I know. By faith, we might say, Lord, I know that I'm indwelt by the Spirit of God. And, and Lord, by faith, I, I want to abandon my dependence on self. Start there. I need to de abandon dependence upon self and uh, my dependence upon my feelings, my dependence upon what I can do and what I, and I want to abandon myself, yield myself to the Spirit of God who indwells and lives in me. God changes me. It's like family that saved. They saved all the time. They're saving money all the time. They saved and they saved and they saved. Mom and dad worked hard on all their life on the farm. They saved money and, and they did without things so they could send their one and only beloved, their son, to a fancy college. He graduated from high school. He went off to college. Mom got a letter that said, Dear Mom, I'm flunking out off every course. I've been kicked out of school. I'm coming home. Prepare Dad. She wrote him a note back. She said, Dear Son, Dad is prepared. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. I'm going to tell you this. If, if they worked that hard to make their sure their son made it to that place, when she said, prepare yourself, that is a 
I think she's real close to saying, you might not want to come home with that attitude or with that trait. Prepare yourself. See, God is prepared. Jesus died. Jesus is raised again. Jesus ascended back to the Father, back to the right hand of the majesty on high, and what else can he do? Jesus sent the Spirit of God on the day for you and I, and so he's prepared. He's ready. All things are ready for you and me to tap into the mighty power of God. And I want to challenge you tonight to think about your life and whether or not moment by moment, day by day, am I yielded to the Holy Spirit of God in my life? Am I yielded to the Holy Spirit of God in such a way that when he speaks, I'm willing to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. See, I challenge my heart as I challenge yours because on a daily regime of life where the Spirit of God wants to work and minister to us, use us and fill us and empower us to be what God would have us to be, it's unlimited power. We don't have to feel weak. We don't have to feel insufficient. We don't have to feel that, that somehow the world has an edge on us because we have the person of the Spirit of God, the mighty power that raised Jesus up from the dead. You and I can be filled with that power day by day. The old hymn says this, Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Will you pray with all your power while we try to preach the word? Listen to the line here. It says, All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. It's all vain. Now he's come down. But that line means that it's all vain unless we realize that the Holy One's come down. See, the church isn't to be some kind of motivational club. Not to be really some kind of social club, even though I like most of them. That's the job of the church. The only thing that makes us different is, is that we're not just an organization. We're an organism. In other words, we're living. An organism has life, the lifeblood of the church, the body of Christ, the spirit of God. Without the spirit of God, there's no liberty. Without the spirit of God, there's no life. And you and I need to honor the Holy Spirit. We need to recognize the Holy Spirit. We need to, ma to manifest Jesus in our life, in our worship, in our praise through the Holy Spirit. So unlimited power is a resource. It's a resource. And that's not all. I have two other points. And I preach plenty long enough.
talks to us about, hey, don't say that. No one likes cussing. Don't say what you want to. I'd rather speak what you want to speak. Speak those truth nuggets. Are we ready to do what he wants us to do? Maybe it's to be nice to somebody that hasn't been so nice to us. I believe that if we did what we know that God's already said, it would change your life and mine. If we did what we know. And then we can begin to learn and grow. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the day. Thank you for your word. And I thank you for the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I thank you that the, the power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives within us. So, Lord, I ask that you'd help us today to serve you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, that we wouldn't hang on to say, well, I'm, I'm holding on for another day, or I'm, I'll do that when I get older, or maybe I won't do that when I get older. Lord, I ask that you bring our hearts to realize that it's a life. That's an everyday life of serving. Lord, that to be obedient says, I'm going to choose you, and I'm going to choose you today. I'm going to choose you tomorrow, I'm going to choose you at noon, and I'm going to choose you at, at one, and I'm going to choose you at three, and I'm going to choose you all day long, and all night long. I'm going to choose you on Monday, and I'm going to choose you on Tuesday, and again on Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and, and again on Sunday. I just need that bad, wasn't it?